0: Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stories from the people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Goetz. So think of the last time that you went to see your butcher. You know, back in the day, your butcher was the person who took care of everything for you. It was steaks or burgers or sausages, a whole chicken, or bacon, everything, right? And knowing your butcher is now back on the rise as we all seek to learn and understand more about food and food ways. So enter Rusty Bowers, he's the butcher and owner of Pine Street Market and Chop Shop. And Pine Street hit the city back in 2008 and brought a side of butchery that celebrated the whole animal and especially paid homage to the hardworking folks who raised them in the first place. And now Rusty and his team are continuing to expand Pine Street and they just opened Chop Shop, a market in direct partnership with Riverview Farms. So we caught up at Chop Shop so I could hear how his whole story began and more of what's to come. So here he is, folks, Mr. Rusty Bowers. Drinking a Montagne, courtesy of Chop Shop. So cheers to you guys. Yeah, well, you're, you're eating, beverages. you're, you're yep. having a, um, a lovely uh, cold brew from our friends over at
1: Banjo. I love Banjo Coffee. I do too. Mm-hmm.
0: I love Billy and Chastity more than I love coffee.
1: That's Because true. they're just yeah. wonderful people. Yeah, they really are. I can always have coffee, but... I- you know. I had a small help in them getting that location which That's so a cool. cool Yeah,
0: Wow, you're going to have to listen to that episode of the show
1: Oh, nice That's great yeah. You'll be
0: able to tell them, like, mine was way better than yours But I listened <laughs> to your episode <laughs> of the show, it was great it, I mean, second place yeah. doesn't suck Yeah, it's okay, yeah. man Yeah, yeah it's, it's okay all right. It's all right Two yeah. of you, one of me I Yeah don't <laughs> <assume I'll work. laughs> Oh, man, Rusty Vowers. welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast Thank you
1: so much, this is an honor How you doing, man? Doing great It's um, a beautiful, rainy day
0: it is. You know, there is beauty in rain and it is the summertime. And oh. I grew up in Florida, which about this time is, you know, the most severe thunderstorm you've ever experienced. And then the sun yeah. comes back. Yeah, out, exactly. And everyone wonders yeah. why we're still here. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, but it is. It's a nice Friday. We're sitting over here at Chop Shop. It's yes. It's great. I can just hear like the coolers, like the, the hum of the, the hum. fan. Yeah. So this is the kind of ambiance that I like, you know, on cue. We'll get one of your guys to like drop a sheet pan or something yeah. like that. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, like it's busy and there's a lot of stuff going on. It. But yeah. um, but. I want to – you have a lot of really great story to tell, especially how so many things have happened in Atlanta over the past, um, I would say, five years that have kind of springboarded so much of the culinary side of things into this renaissance that I think we find ourselves in, where there's just really great things happening in Atlanta across a spectrum. Oh, absolutely. You know, places to eat, styles to eat, regional – I mean – go to tucker you know right (laughs) go to clarkston (laughs) right you know you could do a lot of eating and um but uh but you've got some really great history here in the city and especially you know what what it means from the the side of of butchery and charcuterie and introducing a lot of things like education to people and um but before we get to all that good stuff and talking about like pine street and here at chop shop uh you're gonna get
1: the first question that everybody gets Uh so
0: it's a good one though okay Uh, so tell me who cooked for you growing up and what
1: kind of cook was he or she Oh, um, so we've got, we have a twofold. So, uh, my dad came from a very wealthy family in North Carolina and my mom came from an opposite family in North Carolina. So we kind of had the, the two different mixes of culture growing up as a kid. Um, my dad's parents had uh, some amazing cooks. This one lady, um, Helen and another lady B and they made amazing like uh, turkey neck gravy and putting it over buttered rice. Um, Fried okra, uh, little hoe cakes, all that kind of stuff. So we got to see that beautiful side of, kind of that that side of the southern culture growing up. And then my mom's mom, uh, her father had passed away when she was little, so uh, raised her kids by herself and had a beautiful little garden and always sun-ripened tomatoes. And so we got that that beautiful mix of like, the the starchy white tablecloths at one grandparents' house and the drinking out of mason jars at the other grandparents' house. So it was a, a beautiful mix growing up and. That really gave me a, uh, a great view of the two sides of the south. Right. Where'd mm. you grow up? Jacksonville, Florida. Really? Yes. Oh my
0: gosh. I'm Orlando. Oh, okay. So I grew up in the Burbs. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Al- yeah, yeah. 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 Altamont Springs. Yeah. Well, uh, we were, uh, Roland and I were just talking before we recorded and you know, it's like, it's funny, you know, sometimes like you live, like people ask you why you live in Florida. It's like there's hurricanes and you know, reptiles of enormous sizes and like heat and mosquitoes and it's like yeah yeah why did, yeah, yeah and we stayed there yeah it was good well, i want yeah. someone
1: just to be like i love humidity i yeah. just love it i want to wake up and feel like this is a dryer yeah. yeah you're like
0: and you are a liar yes you
1: are <laughs> and your hair is weird and
0: curly exactly yeah. but man i love jacksonville oh yeah absolutely a good time. yeah it's a really good town i have some really good friends who live there and okay spend a lot of time as a uh, debaucherous youth uh, yes. going to shows and The big city of downtown Jacksonville.
1: What, like Milk Bar and Einstein and Go Go? Yeah. Let's do some plugs.
0: Or uh, Freebirds. Okay. Jackrabbits. I'm older
1: than you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I was going to like punk shows, man. Okay. I was like, no, no, yeah. this way.
1: Were, these, these were the, the clubs that one day became those clubs. Oh, the, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Sorry. I was Getting like all that, old school. I was
0: the next generation. Yeah. I'm sorry. So <laughs> maybe we got it worse. I don't know. It wasn't as cool. I bet. Anyway, Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Downtown. Yeah. Tourism. We got stuff. catitude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. So I, um, I want to hear, you know, how, how you made your way into food because I know that you have a really interesting culinary background. Okay. So tell me about, you know, growing up, like how, How did you know that you wanted to kind of make your way into the culinary side
1: of the world? So we uh, were fortunate to take a a family trip to Italy um, right after I just graduated high school. And so me and my two brothers and my parents, we went to Italy for a month and, uh, you know, the family trip of a lifetime. And uh, that food there was just so simple and pure. And uh, there's one dish that stands out. It was um, it was called artichoke lasagna. And it was these uh, these fat noodles tossed in freshly pressed olive oil from a a neighbor, um, poached uh, white wine, poached artichokes and just a little bit of um, Parmesan cheese and crushed red pepper. And that was it. And tasting that was like, wait a second. I thought fine dining food had to be this like heavy sauce and bone China and all this crazy, like 15,000 ingredients (laughs) to make one little dish. And I'm like, this is more like what we ate growing up. Like this is just so simple and pure and rich, but so complex yet simple. And that's what really got me excited about food. Then came back and realized, well, it was was funny, me and my little brother were walking through Venice. And um, of course, having never even been to Europe before, or even really out of the South, this lady comes rushing out of her apartment and we're, i go hey she lives in venice and he's like yeah duh and i'm like yeah but we live in jacksonville and he's like yeah and i'm like not to knock jacksonville it's not venice and he's like yeah and i go i gotta travel so i came back and um had just started cooking at a resort around that time and um realizing how fancy and overdone all that food was and how everybody in the world had to eat so sold my car and moved to maui and then took the money i made in maui working there for a year and went to eastern europe and the middle east working in austria and turkey and then took that money came back and with some family help went to cia up in new york and then after graduating moved to atlanta and that's wow. how i got here today man yeah so
0: wait, let me, I'm, I'm doing like the ping pong in my sure. head of like where you went so you were in jacksonville mm-hmm. and then maui mm-hmm. and then eastern europe and
1: yep. then working in austria and turkey and then came back and then came to new york Well, came back to here, then went up to school at Culinary Institute of America in New York, Uh and then came down here. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: There's someone else that I had on the show that had an amazing story of just like that, like jet-setting global, like work here, work here, work here. Um, and But then... Atlanta's like the stop, you know, right. That's incredible. So, so what were you, what, what were you really digging? Like, what was your favorite thing that you were doing in the kitchen? Like working, but like, butchering. Yeah. Yeah. So okay.
1: learning, uh, from this gigantic, uh, Hawaiian man, wheelo who had this giant scimitar of a sword uh, butchering fish and he would, uh, the fish, We would get deliveries three times a day we were in a restaurant on the beach in maui and they would pull up and hand us the fish and it had not had rigor mortis yet it was so fresh it was out of the water maybe 30 minutes wow and he would start breaking it down and as you walk by he would take this like what what do i do like 18 inch long blade and flick this like half of an ounce of of fish in the air and you would catch it and just like learning butchery from him and the art of like skinning and all this kind of stuff and then going to austria and just like learning that just you know through osmosis just being around it and not really thinking about what i'm doing but just really enjoying whole whole bish oh whole, whole fish butchery not yeah. thinking to get out um then moving to austria and learning from uh this lady anna lisa uh about like we would get five gallon buckets of milk with hay still in it from the farm next door wow and um learning uh sausage and grinding meat and all these wonderful things and then working just a little bit in Turkey and it's just wild and crazy with spices and just kind of melding all that together. And then at CIA realizing, I don't really want to be an executive chef. I really don't. I did my internship at the Four Seasons in Philly and, you know, $200 entrees. And you're just like, I, I get this. I love it. I respect it. It's not me. And then being like, okay, well, what am I? What, what do I love? And then kind of finding out, you know, through a, a good mental search, it's, it's butchery. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you make your way to Atlanta after Mm -hmm. all of these travels and all these experiences. So where'd you land when
1: you got here? So my parents were living at Peachtree city at the time and which is basically Atlanta. Yeah. So this was, uh, this was, uh, (laughs) January, 2005. And, um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to start at the bottom. So, uh, gosh, 15 years of experience, plus a bachelor's uh, in culinary arts management, I took a salad garmagee position at uh, Buckhead Life at Panos and Paul's. Did you really? And worked my <laughs> way up to Executive Sioux. And then um, while I was there, Pano Caritasas started talking about opening Bistro Nico. And originally it was going to be a lot more like Holman and Finch, and we were going to make all this different charcuterie. And I was like, oh man, you know. I learned all this cool stuff in in austria and i learned all this cool stuff up at cia um uh chef sean and schmidt shout out um and uh I, i can i can you know start showing you what i know and really like falling in love with it in the chef's office there was a vaulted ceiling and so i took uh plywood and built uh what looked like just your standard office tiles And uh, that was the curing cave in between the the plywood and the ceiling. So that was (laughs) probably about like five square feet. It was my curing cave. And so after dinner service, I would uh, grind salami, ferment, you know, make copa, different sausages and play around with it in between when the restaurant would close and the GM would come back jingling his keys for me to leave. Um, And that was where I developed my style and like the the craft of charcuterie. And then when um, they decided to make Bistro Nico, what it is now, and to, to pull away from that, I did the all right. I'm out. I'm gonna go open my own place, and that's that's what started into 2007. So 2008, we uh, broke ground and did all the build out ourselves. And I was the original sole employee, and now here we are today. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Man, that's really cool. So I had I had Pano on the show. He was actually probably one of the first episodes for Pano this. Junior. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Not yeah, not yeah. not yeah. Pano, but. Oh, yeah. Pano of uh, Kima. Piano. Yes. Piano. Wonderful yes. guy. Yeah. But yeah. man, just when I mean, you talk about like, I mean, hearing your story, you know, like, and then also knowing his, I mean, like working for like Eric Repair. Yeah. And, I mean, like, he's got so much like Jean Georges and like just, like, I was so in awe of his background. Yeah. And then also understanding Buckhead life and like how much of what it meant to go out to eat in Atlanta back in like right. the 80s. Yeah. Like, which one of the Buckhead Life restaurants would you like yeah, to go exactly. to? Or McDonald's. Yeah. yeah. Or that. Yeah. Yep. So or maybe there's a bowling alley or you yeah. can get like a yeah. hot dog
1: and a pretzel. But But um, and then also the the just how crazy because when I started at Pandas and Pauls it was two thousand five and Buckhead had literally shifted. So they were no longer really in Buckhead, but when it started in the seventies, I think seventy nine, they were the the heart of Buckhead. Yeah. And how the, the it's just neat how it, it kinda migrates like totally. I'm sure downtown used to be the it spot and mm-hmm. how it's migrated away from there. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's amazing to watch how much it
0: just continues to rise. Right. rise. I was just at King and Duke last weekend. And, oh wow. Um, it's like, I haven't been here in three weeks and it doesn't even really look the same. It's like, yeah. I, I feel like there was more sun coming yeah. <laughs> this way and now there's a giant, you know, skyscraper going Yikes. in. But, um, yeah. but man, that's awesome. So you, you bet you actually get to the point. I mean, so you're, you're working with Buckhead life. So did you have the idea for pine street, and like what you wanted to kind of so go into I, next?
1: We are, we are uh, currently um, in the baby steps of going through a $3 million in, uh, expansion at Pine Street and um, going through like learning about funding and types of funding and how to, how to acquire the funding and kind of the 24 month steps of doing that. And in that process, redesigning our business plan and um, kind of working with stuff from the past. And I came across my old business plan from, from 2007 and it was absolutely adorable. It was about five pages long. <laughs> Meanwhile, the current one is about 90. But uh, it involved uh, five wholesale customers, um, two refrigerators. One was a curing cave, and one was a product. So raw on the bottom, ready on the top, curing cave next to it. And it was I was looking for a space that was 10 foot by 10 foot, and I was going to be the only employee with, with five customers. And I really... I really believed that that business plan, which just seems so absurd for anybody now, like that—that that is not a business. Yeah. Um, but honestly, what it took—it took meeting Wes and Charlotte with Riverview around that time. I went to the Morning Tide Farmers Market, and it was one of, I think, three farmers markets in Atlanta. And meeting them and seeing that no one is celebrating this beautiful, humanely raised pork from Georgia. Uh, some of the high-end restaurants, like Restaurant Eugene, had it. Um, a couple other people had it as well, but it wasn't just in a shop available to the public and showcased in the right way, like what I would see in Austria. Yeah. So talk to me about,
0: uh, you can take it. It's all right. You, you <laughs> got to get coffee, man. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I'm going to ask you a question so you can't take a drink of your coffee. Um, uh, okay. But so so you get to the point where you actually, you actually open Pine Street. So, I mean, if I have this right, you actually opened in 2008, right? Yep. Yeah. So oh, we, I love
1: uh, and one of one of my favorite backhanded compliments are people are like look at you so brave to open in a recession and i'm like i don't ever know if you've, you've started a train you can't just stop it like yeah. we started the business you can't go okay never mind recession well, i'm just gonna go sit over there and wait it out like you had we had to and yeah so i interrupted your question which i'm really good at and i'm showcasing right totally now. totally fine um what it wound up being this this uh blessing because first off we, we weren't getting like Slaughtered, no pun intended, straight out the gate. Oh that was good. Yeah. But secondly, um people were not going out to eat as much, so they were looking for high end ingredients to do it at home. So we were a good place right in the middle. So people were looking for shops with the, the high end specialty meats and not be spending, you know, eighty dollars on a plate, they could spend, you know, twelve dollars on a pork chop. So yeah. it worked out really well. Yeah. And, um, you
0: know, something that, that I, you know, I, I moved to Atlanta in um, in 2012. So, you know, it was... Newbie. It was, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I've got, you know, seven but years. So, um, which, you know, by some people... 2012 is seven years ago. Yeah. So by some people's standards are like, man, you've been in Atlanta for a long time. It's mm-hmm. like, you move too much. So, but I do too. <laughs> so I, I can't really, um, you know, millennials. Yeah. We suck. Yeah. But... Um, (laughs) but you know Atlanta was a really interesting place to to be in in 2012 we were still you know trying to like how are we going to get a burger at 10 o'clock at Holman and Finch you know how are we going to have that experience like this was, I mean, I think one of the first nights out I had was 4th uh, and Swift, you know, like some of these oh, restaurants yeah. that, you know, like th- that have since like now passed, you know, right. they, they have moved on and the chef has graduated into something else. And, you know, the dining scene, even
1: in just like the past
0: seven years has changed. You right. know? So talk to me about what it was like in 2008 when you guys opened.
1: 2008, um, I couldn't sell pancetta. People thought it was weird. Really? Yeah. So um, they're like Italian bacon. They're like, so, but it smoked. You're like, no, no, it's not smoked. And then they're like, so what's the real difference between that bratwurst and that salami? And I'm like, well, the, uh, um, hmm, uh, how do I not be a dick right now? Um, yeah. Yeah. But it, the cool part was, was we still have some customers. I think some of them are now coming to Chop Shop, which is the intention. But we still have customers that shop with us every week and have been since 2009. And we have a one of my, my favorite customers is, is a couple and they started shopping with us before they were pregnant with their children. And now their children come in and ask them to see pictures of the puppy. See, how many minutes till I said the puppy, um, trying to see pictures of the puppy and like talking and about this and that. And Hey, we went to ballet last week and blah, blah, blah. And Pine street is older than them. And that is, that blows my mind. Yeah. 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 Um, but I originally wasn't gonna do fresh sausage because Pine Street Market is so close to the Cab Farmer's Market that I'm like, they sell it for $4.99. Yeah. Ours is, I'm really good at not knowing prices, but ours is more than that. And so uh, I thought, well, no one's gonna pay more I and mean, they can get it to Cab. But that, that's not the thing. And it's understanding, and um, Charlotte gets really annoyed when I say this, but it's understanding we're not a butcher shop, we're a lifestyle shop. So you're making a lifestyle decision to shop with us you can go to Walmart and get you know, a ribeye for 50 cents a pound. I don't know. But you, you go to us not for the meat, but to buy into the culture and to understand sure. that what we have in the case. And I love that, and I love our customers for that. And they've, they've grown with us. And I, I know that back in 2009, I made terrible salami. Hmm. And I know that I had, to, I had to grow and learn along with it. And originally selling pork chops off a of, uh, side of Riverview Pork, will take it home and cook it like you would a pork chop it's not the same it's gonna cook up tougher so now we brine and we talk about why we brine and we talk about wow. why we'll pre-smoke some things and and why some things are cured and and why you don't make sausage out of a ham but you do out of a shoulder and and we grow the customer grows with us and that's with the classes as well but i just think that's the beauty of the longevity of the company and just the support of the customers.
0: Yeah. And you're touching on exactly what my next question was going to be All for right. you. You can
1: take a drink of coffee now.
0: Mm-hmm. You totally can. Um, but, you know, you're, you're touching on the, the butchery side, but also the education piece. Right. And I've seen you at many events. I mean, the one that pops into my head would actually be Peach Fest uh, oh, last this is year. Sunday. And this, this podcast is yeah. not brought to anyone by Peach Fest, which right. I think is happening very soon. But Sunday, um, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. I think I'm out of town. Oh, okay. I am. But uh, but I did get to go last year. I mean, you were butchering a pig in front of everybody yep. in downtown Atlanta.
1: In 30 minutes. Yep. Yeah. Oh, in 30 minutes. Yep. Wow. I, I, fast.
0: I was there for maybe a portion of that. Okay. I don't remember how much, but um but I think you're very you're very open and I think your your personality is very in tune with teaching people in a way that it doesn't make them feel alienated or isolated in a Thank way you. of um, which which is huge, you know? I mean, I think a lot of people they they feel hampered by It's like, am I supposed to know what a porterhouse looks like? Right. You know, like, uh, like what is a loin? And right. Versus
1: a tenderloin. And a lot of people don't know that. Yeah.
0: You know, and it can be really, um, it can be really isolating for people. Like they're just kind of standing there like, I like to eat this, but I don't know which one to pick and I don't know how to cook. And, um, but you talk about people didn't want to buy pancetta and you know, it, you're scaling your business with your customers on that education piece. And, um, you know, you guys have done things that, you know, just really weren't available in Atlanta, you know, over, you know, the past, you know, 11 years or so. Um, so it's, it's really cool to see, I think the, the level of excellence that you can see from the restaurant side of things, but also from the buying public and that that's people that move here, but have also been here. And now that it's, you know, made available, and I think probably—I mean, I wouldn't say it's ubiquitous in Atlanta, but I think more people through through that lens have seen what it means to work with a a Georgia farm or someone who is growing livestock and then turning it into what you experienced in that trip to Italy. Right, and that's what you want to bring to people here in the Southeast, and that's becoming—you know—I um, think more available, which is cool yeah you know yeah Yo, it's definitely cool yeah yeah but it's
1: like um for those that can't see us right now we're in the inside chop shop we're surrounded by all this beautiful georgia grown product whether it's the produce the georgia sourdough crackers the banjo coffee montanes mm-hmm. uh, Do south all these guys utilizing what makes georgia so amazing yeah um i had this uh really like funny like test of skill moment i went with uh i travel a lot with big green egg and I went with them to Nantucket for a wine festival and I'm back in the kitchen and I'm prepping and um, I brought some limited ingredients for what I was doing a lot of cold smoking on the egg and showcasing that. And so I had a demo the next day. So I'm getting ready for my demo the next day. Uh, the moderator for the stage comes in and he's like, I hear you're uh, quick on your feet, chef. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. He goes, um like, like you could just like do a demo in just a matter of seconds. And I'm like, where, where are we going here? He goes, uh, we had a, a no-show, and uh, I need you to go up on stage. I'm like, okay. And he goes, no, I mean, I mean right now. And I go, uh And he goes, you got something you can demo? I grabbed some um, Oliver Farms pecan oil. I had some uh, Decimal Place goat cheese. Grabbed some lettuce off a table and went up and did a, a demonstration, a 30-minute demonstration on what makes Georgia so great. <laughs> but it was because it was already locked and loaded in my yeah. head because that's the culture we've bought into. That's the culture we believe in and, and bank on is – I really think this is one of the best regions of the U S Yeah, because of what all we produce.
0: Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I think a lot of people reverberate that same message. Um, you know, I mean sitting with, you know, Annie Quattrano mm-hmm. or, um, you know, Steven Satterfield, you know, be, just varying layers of the culinary community here in Atlanta. It's, it's very easy for people to start waxing poetic about how verdant and amazing this state is from a growing side of things, whether it's a farm or a farmer. Right. Um, that to me is what I have become to identify as the South. Not right, yeah. the typical, you know, rib sticking meals and everything is like, you know, country bis- fried this. Yeah. yeah. Biscuits and cornbread and everything yeah. is breaded and yeah. you know, fried in a pan, which I love. Right. You know, yeah. and the comfy chicken biscuit. Yeah, but it's such a small homegrown. sliver of the Georgia
1: pie. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. 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 That was another good southern reference. Thank like you. that's all we got down here. <laughs> um but you know that i think that's a that's a perfect transition into talking about state of georgia and then you know here at Shop shop you know so talk to me about like you know how how this has come to be and it's really in direct partnership with riverview farm
1: yes so um so back in '08, when i first started pine street and working with them this was always our dream to have something like this together so with the understanding that pine street market does have a store it's just a tiny little We're on a side street in Avondale Estates, which is on a side street off of Decatur, which is on a side street off of Atlanta. So we're not really centrally located to where you're just going to walk by and be like, honey, that looks like a market. But that's what we wanted here. We wanted something big to showcase Georgia Grown. We wanted it to be a butcher-driven community market with a patio that's going to have beer and wine. We've got big green eggs out there. The patio has uh, movable furniture that seats up to 50. And so up and coming sous chefs or food producers can come out here and do pop ups on a Saturday or we had Sweetgrass dairy come by. Um, I think it was a week or two ago to do a cheese demonstration. We had somebody come by and do like a homemade sauerkraut presentation and like all this cool stuff. And we want this to be our little culinary Mecca to where you're coming to Atlanta or maybe your farmer's market got rained out or, ah, shit, it's a Monday night and there's no such thing as a Monday market. Um, this is the place to go. This is the place where you're going to see the up-and-coming chef on the patio. You're going to meet the guys behind the counter that have eaten every single item in the case and know exactly how to cook it. All that, uh, every week, breaking down a side of beef from Riverview. Just like it's, this is the This is our dream store, I guess is what we want to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's really
0: cool. And I know we were talking about this, like, right before, like, things, like, we kicked off. But, um, you know, passing by this building um, or, you know, I guess (laughs) it's adjoined buildings. But um, it's in a really cool part of Candler Park meets, like, South Moorland, almost into East Atlanta, like east the it's it's in a very interesting spot and when you start talking about like the intersection that it's on like you everyone's probably driven past this and they would have never really looked
1: at it you know well and now it's the (laughs) fastest growing area in atlanta with the atlanta dairies yeah
0: look at this look at these houses like right across the street and now the sun is poking through the rain clouds but um but it's cool i mean i I think you guys are you know just as much as things from a food perspective are continually on the rise in atlanta the the neighborhoods um east of east of downtown like you know kind of making up our in-town you know almost suburban feel but it everything is keeping its own you know little neighborhood type of feel like this yeah. is it's really cool because there's not a whole lot of what you guys have here um really anywhere else right you know? which just really neat so um this is really cool though to see how much you know, your, your career has taken you to Pine street in 2008. And then now, um, you guys are you know beyond 11 years in business and then right. how long yeah. has
1: it been here? Five months, five months, five months. So, and then, February. um, yeah.
0: So what's next?
1: Well, what, um, wow. So, uh, Right now, it's growing Pine Street. So it's taking Pine Street into grocery stores and taking Pine Street, wow, uh, further around Atlanta and then um, online as well. Uh, my fiance Summer and I just completely did a whole rebranding for Pine Street. Uh, did a complete overhaul of um, the website. Um, we are. This is an exclusive. We are getting ready to launch knowyourbutcher.org. dot wow. and um, that'll be a website where I'm writing blogs about. Why we brine, um, the philosophy behind what we do, the right way to cook a steak, um, tenderloin versus loin, all this kind of like little fun, like, oh, I never really thought about that kind of things. And um, but yeah, so it's it's taking Pine Street to the next level, which is a giant step up is our is, you know, our next move. That's awesome, man. man. So, That's if so anyone cool. listening wants to invest, let us yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a link on our website yes. to
0: where it's just like you press the donate button one time. It's uh, just or or one million to yeah, donate. Yeah. It just press the invest button one time. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll we'll make sure that we put that. No, on but there.
1: It, it, it's this really exciting time of where um, we're seeing the need for what we do, but on a bigger scale, mm-hmm. and we're realizing that um, the the meat industry, especially sausage and bacon, is just wide open, and just there's so much possibility out there. And, um, we're just really excited to, to watch this gigantic growth of the company.
0: Yeah. That's really cool. Um, well, Rusty, this is awesome, man. Thanks yeah. for sitting down with me. I mean, I, I've I've followed a lot of what you guys have done through the lens of Pine Street. And right. then, you know, having Chop Shop as well. And then, when you know, we can hang out and someone's cooking on a big green egg on the patio and Heck I can yeah. come have a beer. That's going to be really oh, exciting. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. Once so. a Poor house opens, we're having the, the little uh, beer and wine where nice. you can bottle shop to take away or drink on premise so it's good. it's exciting and fun yeah, yeah. super cool man yeah.
0: dude it's so good to catch up with you thanks yeah, again thank for you. being on the show
1: yeah this is great yeah. anytime yeah cheers many thanks to
0: rusty for joining me for this episode and if you'd like to learn more about pine street market chop shop riverview farms and everything else that he and his team are up to head to PineStreetMarket.com. This podcast is recorded all over our beautiful city and edited over on the east side of town by me, your host. Hello again. Our design is headed up by JJ Goetz. And if you like what you hear, you can support the show right now on Patreon for just $5 a month. I'm your host, Ben Goetz, and you've been listening to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stay hungry.